launching a brand new series today, a brand new series called Graceful Reflections on God's Amazing Gift. If you are thankful for God's grace, if you are thankful for God's grace in your life, would you just say amen? Somebody give me an A. God's grace is so powerful and so transformative, and, and it's so, in many ways, it seems sort of ethereal and kind of out there in the, in the ether, and we don't totally know what it means or how we, how we grasp it or what it's about. But I want to I launch a series today where we, we really start to dig in to the concept of grace and what it means for you. And I was thinking this week about a time not long ago when I, I took my boys to um, a rock climbing gym downtown. It's called uh, Upper Limits Rock Climbing Gym, and they've got these rock walls. Um, and, and my boys are, are climbers. That's just their thing. I, I've got them in baseball, but, you know, they don't really like baseball. You know, they're not that good at it. I mean, let's be honest. Are they in here? No, okay. Um, and, um, and I get that. You know, I wasn't good at baseball, but, but they're, they're, they're good at climbing. If I take them out to the park and we've got the ball in the glove, I'll be like, hey, guys, let's play. And I'll look around, and I can't find them, and they're up in a tree. I mean, it's like they're just, they're like squirrels. They can climb up. They can climb down. They can climb sideways. They're just, they're climbers. That's what they do. So we take them down to the upper limits climbing gym, and sometimes we'll, we'll do some climbing down there. And I like to, a while back, one of the times, one of the first times I took them down there, I, I thought, you know, it would be good for me to show them how it's done. Like, dad should go first and show the boys what climbing is all about. So, so I start my climb, and, and they're down there on the floor, and, and you can go up about 30 feet at this rock wall gym. And if you've never been to a rock wall gym, it's just a sheer wall, and they've got these little plastic handholds, and they're screwed into the wall, and you just climb up the thing. And so I'm climbing up this rock wall gym, and I'm, and I'm climbing up, I'm doing pretty well, and the boys are looking at me, you know, with awe and wonder in their eyes, because their father is just an amazing climber. And then, and then I get to this point on the wall, about 20 feet up, where I've got my handholds, and I got my footholds, and I'm looking for the next handhold, but there's this huge gap between the handhold that I've got and the handhold that I would have to reach in order to reach my destination at the top of the wall. In other words, in, in order to get to my goal, I'd have to figure out how to cross this gap. And the gap is way longer than my arm. Like, there's no way that I can see to get from where I am to where I need to go because of this big gap. And I mean, I could jump, but if I jumped, I would, I would probably fall, and then, you know, that wouldn't be good. So I'm, I'm looking at the, the, the gap, and I'm going, how do I get there? And if you've ever been climbing, some of you have never been climbing, but if you've ever been climbing, or even if you haven't, you maybe experienced something like this, there's a point after which you have hung on the wall long enough that your muscles begin to fatigue. You know, you want to stay dignified on the wall because you don't want other climbers to see the desperation that you're beginning to experience, the palpitations in your heart, the sweat running down your head, and especially not in front of your boys and your sons, you know. And in fact, there's this phrase that they have in climbing. They call it the Elvis Presley because what happens, sometimes your, 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 your calves begin to fatigue and you start doing like this, you know. Your muscles start trembling and uh, they say, oh, he's doing the Elvis Presley. He's like starting to wiggle. And, um, and I'm doing the Elvis Presley, and I'm thinking, how am I going to do this? I can't do this because there's this gap, and I can't close the gap. In my life, there are gaps. There are gaps between the man that I am and the man that I aspire to be. There are gaps in, for my life in between the husband that I am and the husband that I 
strive to be, that I long to be. The goal is up there, but sometimes there are gaps. There's a, there's a vision in my mind of the father that I want to be, but sometimes there's a gap between the dad that I am and the dad that I want to be, right? In my professional life as a pastor, I have visions of what I want it to be like, but sometimes there are gaps between where I am and where I want to be. If you're here today and you uh, are not perfect, in which case, why would you be here if you were perfect? But if you're not perfect and you are here, then that means in your life there are gaps. There are gaps. I'm going to need some help, some, some help. There are some gaps between where you are and where you want to be. In your behavior, there are some gaps. There are some things where you go, hey, I'm not going to do that anymore. And then you do it. That's a gap. There are some things that you say, hey, I'm going to do that, but you don't do it, and there's a gap. There are things in your heart where you go, hey, I'm not going to have that attitude, or I'm not going to have that feeling anymore, and then you do, and that, that means there's a gap. There's a gap for you. There's a gap between the man that you want to be and the man that you are. You know there's a gap, guys. Women, there's a gap between the woman that you want to be and the woman that you are. There's a gap. There's a gap between the husband or the wife that you want to be and the husband or wife that you are, the student, the friend, whatever it is, there's a gap. All of us experience these gaps in our life. And in fact, we experience them in a couple different ways. Throughout the scripture, we see Jesus teaching a couple different groups of people. He, he's, he's always surrounded by like the, the, the sinner sinners and then the holy sinners, all right? I call it reckless sinners and righteous sinners, but they're all sinners, all right, so the reckless sinners are the ones you know. They're easy. That's easy because they're out destroying things. They're out breaking their life. They're out getting drunk and partying and crashing their life and doing all kinds of nonsense and messing everything up. And you see the sin. And when you are one of those sinners, man, you know there's a gap. You just think there's, there's gaps everywhere. There's gaps all over the place. In fact, the gaps sometimes get so wide when you're a reckless sinner that you go, I'm not even going to try anymore. I'm not even going to try to reach that thing because I can't reach it. I've tried. I've fallen so many times. I can't reach it. The gap is too great. But, and, and, and this, the, the reckless center, the, the outcome is shame and guilt and condemnation and self-loathing and, and, and coming down on yourself because of the failures that you've experienced over and over. The righteous sinners, the righteous sinners, the gap there is, the result of their gap is they think they're doing everything right, but what they don't know is that their heart is corrupt. Right? So the, out, the outflow of the righteous sinner's gap is judgmentalism and pride and arrogance and self-righteousness. We've all got gaps. Whether you're a dyed-in-the-wool, been here a million years, holy, holier-than-thou Christian, or you're just, man, you're just stumbling in and you're still reeking from the night before. There are gaps, okay? There are gaps for all of us. And today I want to introduce a topic. I want to introduce a subject as part of this series and I want to introduce a message to you called Grace in the Gap. Grace in the Gap. Because grace fills the gaps. Grace, God's grace, fills gaps. When Jesus was trying to, to describe what grace is, because it's one of those concepts, right, that we, it's sort of hard to grasp. When he's describing it, he says this. He says, there was a guy, a landowner, who owned a vineyard. 
So this guy had all these acres of vines, and he was going to make wine. And so he needed people to come and, and harvest the grapes. So he goes out at 6 o'clock in the morning, and he sees these guys that are looking for work. And they're out standing in the market, and they're like looking around trying to find somebody that will hire him. So Jesus says, I'll tell you what. Come to my vineyard. I'll pay you $150 for a day's work. You come. You work for a day. You get $150, bucks, you know. And they go, great. That's, a, that's great. We're done. We're in. They're in. So they go. They go start picking grapes. The vineyard owner goes back out at 9 o'clock. He sees some other guys that, you know, they weren't up at the crack of dawn, but, you know, they're there. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they, got, they got a decent night's sleep, and they're up, and they're ready to work. And so he goes, hey, guys, if you want to come work for me, I'll pay you what's fair. Come and, come and work. They go, okay, great. We'll, we'll do it. So they come and work. He goes back out on, at lunch. You know, he has a, has a sandwich and steps back out at the market. He's like, and he sees some other guys there. Now, these are starting to get straggly. These are the guys that, like, you know, they're just... You know, they, they were up pretty late, and they're not out to the market until noon. And, you know, and he goes, hey, do you guys need some work? They say, yeah. Okay, come, come and work for me. All right, so they go, and they, they go. He does the same thing at 3 in the afternoon. Now, if you're at 3 in the afternoon, and you're just getting up and getting out to the market to find some work, you know, you might not even want a job at that point. You're kind of like, well, he gets those guys. You guys want to come work? Yeah. He goes out at 5 p.m. Work ends at the ring. The bell rings at 6. You only got an hour left. You're rolling out, you're a derelict at this point. You're just a guy, just, you don't, you're just showing up because you need to tell your wife that you showed up to get a job, right? You don't, you don't really want a job. So, but Jesus goes, hey, do you guys want to come work? They're like, whoa, okay, an hour? Okay, so they go and work. The bell rings at six, work day is over. He brings all the workers together and he tells the foreman, he goes, I want you to start paying the guys. And these guys, these, 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 these guys that I got out of, out of the marketplace at five, I want you to, pay them first, and then I want you to pay, you know, everybody right up the row, and, 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 and I want you to pay them all. And the foreman goes, okay, so what do we pay these guys? He goes, I want you to pay them 150 bucks. All of them? Yeah, I want you to pay everybody the same. Well, the six o'clock guys, imagine how they felt about this, right? Six o'clock guys are like, excuse me? Like, we've been here since 6 a.m. My drunk cousin over here just rolled out of bed and got here at five. Why is he getting what I'm getting, Right? And of course, we would feel that way too. Like I would feel that way if I had been working all day and just cranking it out in the fields and some guy rolls in and, and there's an hour left. And, and, and this is how they feel. And, and the vineyard owner says this. He goes, what does it matter to you? Like you agreed to work for $150. What does it matter to you if I extend some unconditional favor to some guys that probably need it worse than you? What is it, what is it to you if I show a little extra love? I mean, I'm paying them the same as you. And this is what you agreed to be paid. So what is it to you if I extend a little bit of extra grace to somebody else? This is how Jesus describes grace. It is the leaning in, it is the loving favor of a God to you when you don't deserve it. When you don't merit it. When you haven't earned it. Now, I don't know about you, but there are, there are sections of my life, there are periods of time in my life where I'm a 6 a.m. guy. Like, I'm doing things right. I, you know, I'm thinking right, I'm talking right, I'm living right, I'm, man, I'm, I'm doing a good job, right? When I'm that, when I'm in 6 a.m. zone, then, yeah, maybe I don't like it when, you know, somebody extends some grace to somebody who's not rocking it like I'm rocking it, okay? But there are other times in my life where I need some grace, where there's a gap between what I am and what I aspire to be. Where, I, where there's a gap between what I, what, I, what I think I want to be, what I hope I can be, and what I actually am. God is saying this. 
Grace is when I am leaning in and I am closing the gaps when you can't close them. I'm leaning in and, and we all, we all whether, we're a, whether we're a reckless sinner or whether we're a righteous sinner, we're all trying to fill the gaps. Reckless sinners are trying to fill the gaps with the sin. With the sin. They're going, man, my life is a mess. Maybe if I just party a little bit more or sleep around a little bit more, whatever it is that they do to fill in those gaps, that's what they're doing to fill in the gaps. The righteous person is actually doing the same thing. If I just pray a little bit more and I read my Bible a little bit more and I show up to church a little bit more, then everything will be good. Either way, you're trying to fill it in yourself and every time you're going to find that there's a gap. That there's a gap. So God is saying, look, I have extended grace to you in the gaps. And so what I want to do for the next few minutes is I want to drill down on a really familiar passage of Scripture to give you a sense of, as we launch into this series, to give you a sense of how grace works in your life. How is the nature of grace in in the way that it works in your life? How does it flow into your life? And I want to start with uh, a really familiar passage. Some of you will be familiar with this passage. Some of you will know this passage Um, It's from the Gospel of John, and I love how it starts. It it says this. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, right out of the gate, we're just going, this is something beyond our comprehension. Because in our world, you can't both be with something and also be that thing. So we're learning something about about God right now that, that is beyond even our scope to fully grasp and fully comprehend. The word was with God and the word was God, all right? So John's using this phrase in the beginning. Do you re- has anybody ever heard that phrase in the Bible somewhere else in the beginning, in the beginning? Right, where was it? Where'd you hear it? Yeah, it was in the beginning. It was in the beginning of the book. It was in the first chapter, it was in the first verse and it said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was formless and, 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 and without void and, and darkness was upon the face of the, of the earth and, and, and the spirit of God hovered upon the face of the deep and God said, let there be light and there was light. So it's the description of the creation, you know, you know this, this passage, right? This is the only other place in the Bible where they use this phrase in the beginning at the beginning of a, of a book. So what John is trying to do is saying, hey, you know, how, you know how in Genesis they describe the beginning of the creation? I'm actually, I'm actually we're gonna begin again. We're going to start over because it turns out that at the beginning of creation, it didn't take long for there to become a gap. So I'm going to start describing a new creation, a new creation that fills in the gap that we experienced in the old creation, in the first creation, right? Because the first creation describes describes Adam. You know the story of Adam, right? Adam, the word Adam, Adam, ha-Adam means means human. It means mankind. Right? And it even comes from the word Adama, the Hebrew word dirt. So you get this sense of humanity. You get this sense of the earth man, a man from the earth. Right, But as soon as Adam was formed, there formed a gap. I don't know if you remember the story. It says, you may eat of every tree of the garden, but of one tree you may not eat. Of the tree of, uh, of the knowledge of good and evil. And Adam said, oh, you know what I mean, right? <laughs> a gap, right? All of us, no matter where we are, no matter who we are, no matter where we come from, no matter what our backgrounds is, it doesn't take long for us to experience a gap. And, and what John is saying in this passage by hearkening back to Genesis is, I'm bringing in a new Adam. That was the first Adam. He was the earth man. I'm bringing in a new Adam. And this Adam wasn't created. This Adam wasn't created. It says this. He was with God in the beginning. And then it says this. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. 
So he wasn't made. A lot of times we get in the mindset of Jesus being a historical figure, and he is a historical figure. But that's not the beginning of Jesus' life. Through the word, everything was made that is made. Through the word, everything that is, that is, everything that exists, was made by him and through him. Right? And one scripture says for him. So Jesus, I don't know if you know this, Jesus was almost killed before he was crucified. There was a moment in his, in his ministry where he was almost stoned to death before he was crucified. And what triggered it was this conversation that he had with these religious leaders. And he's coming off a little strong. Jesus, if you ever read the Bible, he, sometimes he comes off a little strong. He's not like super meek and mild all the time. Sometimes he says things that are kind of get up into your grill a little bit and just kind of gets at you and, and, and goes at you for a minute. And so he's saying some things that the religious leaders are like, and they actually said to him, they go, wait a minute. Are you saying that you're, are you saying, I don't think you are saying this, are you saying that you're more important than Abraham? Are you saying that you're more important than the prophets, Jesus? Because it, it, some of the things you're saying sound like you're saying you're more important than Abraham and the prophets. And then Jesus said something that just flipped their lid. He said, oh, before Abraham was, I am. And they're like, then it says, next line, they picked up rocks to stone him, right? Because what he's saying is, I made Abraham. I mean, I'm, Abraham came through me. I don't come through Abraham. Abraham comes through me. Everything that exists comes through me. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And everything that was made was made through him, and nothing was made that wasn't made by him. And then it says this, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Do you know that you cannot go into a room and flick on a darkness switch to drown out the light? The only way it gets dark in a room is if the light dims. Darkness cannot overcome light. Light can overcome darkness. The only way darkness overpowers light is when the light recedes. Jesus says, the scripture says, John says, he came into the world and he was bringing light and the darkness, it says, could not overcome it. And then here we, we, we're, getting, we're, we're starting to close in. We're starting to close in to see where it's going. It says this, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Do you understand the power of that phrase? We have, a, we have a theological term called incarnation. Incarnation, it comes from the word carne. It means meat. It means flesh. So like carne asada or carnivore, right? It's, it's, it's God came and said, I'm going to robe myself in flesh. So you have Adam that was made up out of the dirt, created up out of the dirt. Then you have God coming and wrapping the dirt around him. So you've got this earth man who, who created a gap. And then you have this God man who says, I'm coming to fill this gap. Because you guys have messed it up. And there's nobody that can fill it except me. And I am coming to fill the gap. I wrap myself in flesh so that I could experience what you're experiencing. Fully God, fully man. And then... Now we're, now we're drilling down to understand what he's going to bring. It says this, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Then they doubled down on the fullness. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. I want to I stop for a moment on this passage. This series is called Graceful. We didn't misspell it. It's, it's, it's two L's on purpose. 
Because God is saying, look, I don't want to just extend a trickle of grace to you to help you out in the hard times. I want to fill you with grace. I want grace to pour over you. I want grace to fill you up so much that it brims out and spills out on, onto the people around you. I want you to be graceful. First thing that he's saying in this passage, if you look, it says, out of his fullness, out of his fullness, what does that mean? That means that there is an infinite supply of his grace. There is an infinite supply of his grace. In my house, I live, I live in a house in U City. Our house is 100 years old. There are some gaps in my house, all right? So there are some gaps in the windows, and there are some gaps under the door, and there's some gaps in the trim. It's an old house, and it seems like it kind of shifts every once in a while, so every time I close a gap, a new one opens. Little gaps, right? And, and then there are some other gaps uh, that are a little harder to track down because, like, every time I have four children, every time they go in and out of the house, no matter how many times I tell them, no matter how many times my wife tells them, no matter how many times we bribe them or whatever, they leave the door open. You know, like, and it's summertime, and, I, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm trying to cool down the house, and there are gaps. And, the, and I don't know if you know, but, but out of those gaps flow my, flow my cash, right out of the gaps, right out of the gaps. There's gaps, just cash just flowing out, right? And I do that thing, and maybe your dad said this to you, and I know my dad said it to me, as I, and now I say it. I say it just like he did. I say, I can't cool the whole neighborhood, guys. You know what I mean? Am I the only one that says that? I, um, right, because I can't, I can't close, there are two problems. One is I can't close all the gaps. I would have to chase my kids around all day to close all the gaps, and I'd have to be patching up the house all day to close all the, the gaps. The other, the other thing is I don't have enough resources uh, to, uh, to have an infinite supply of electricity, right? I don't have enough money to pay Ameren the amount of money I would need to pay Ameren to just keep the house cool as long as there are that many gaps, right? God is saying like this, I have got an infinite supply of grace to fill the gaps in your life. Every gap that you can't close, I've got grace to fill that gap. Every time you fail, I've got grace to fill that gap. Every time you blow it, I've got grace to fill that gap. My grace flows out. It's an infinite supply. It just keeps pouring out. Anywhere you go, anytime you experience pain or heartache or, 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 or fear or condemnation or shame, God is saying, I've got grace and I've got an infinite supply of it and it's out of my fullness and my grace keeps flowing to you and I know you're working really hard to try to close the gap, but don't, don't, don't be up there doing the Elvis Presley with your life all day because I've got grace to fill the gap. I've got grace to fill the gap. Now here's the problem, here's the problem. There can be an infinite supply of grace, but if you don't, if you don't access it, then you don't experience it. If you don't reach out and grab it, then you don't experience it. Look what the scripture says. It says it, that, that there's a, out of his fullness, the, the second part says, we all have received. Out of his fullness, we all have received. That, that word receive, it actually is an active verb. It means to go out and grab it. Like when somebody says something to you, and you can, discern, you can determine whether you're going to receive what they say or you're going to reject what they say, right? Somebody says something to you that is affirming and powerful and truthful, you can say, I receive that. In other words, I actively embrace that. Or you can reject it. This is the same word. I have received it. We have received it, right? So not only is there an infinite supply, he's saying this, you have total access. 
You have total access to the infinite supply. If you have access to an infinite supply, but you don't know you have access, it doesn't matter how much there is because you don't know it's there. If I have a safe in my office and I got a billion dollars in my safe and I don't know the combination, that billion dollars isn't helping me. There was a, there was a, a story in, in uh, 2011, in December of 2011, in a little town, I believe it's called Evanston, Wyoming. It's cold, it was cold, cold climate and uh, there were some kids that were sledding under the Union Pacific Railroad overpass there in Evanston and it was about 10 degrees on this day and these kids are sledding and then they see some something under the overpass and they go over and they look and it looks like a person and they go over and there's a man that has frozen a, a homeless man that has been frozen under the overpass in December of 2011 in Evanston, Wyoming, because it's 10 degrees and he just had like a little light jacket. That's all he had and he was frozen under this overpass. And so the kids went and they got the authorities and the authorities came and they got the guy and, and they started you know, doing some research and he had identification on him. And they found out that, it, that his name was Timothy Gray. And then they found out through a little bit of digging that Timothy Gray uh, was the great uh, grandnephew of a woman named Uget Clark. Uget Clark was one of the wealthiest women in the, U, in the United States at one point. She was a new, her, 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 her estate, there were $300 million in her estate. And Timothy Gray was her great grandnephew. There was, she had died in May of 2011. There was $19 million trying to find Timothy Gray. And he didn't know it. He didn't know he was related to Uget Clark. He didn't know he was an heir to $19 million. He didn't know that there was a, an essentially infinite supply of wealth available to him. He stuck up under a railroad uh, uh, trussle because he doesn't have, even though there's an infinite supply, he hasn't accessed it. God is saying, look, I want you to access what I have. I want you to receive it in the sense of I want you to grab it. I want you to go get it. This is who you are. This is why I came. This is why Jesus came. He came to bring the grace to you to fill in the gaps that you can't fill and he wants you to receive that grace. Instead of trying to spend your life filling it with either reckless sin or righteous sin, why not receive the grace that he has for you? Paul says this, he says, I wish that you understood the depth and the width and the height of God's love for you. I wish you understood that. I wish you understood how much grace is available to you for the sins and the shame and the condemnation you experience. I wish you knew how much grace there was to fill the gaps in your life because God's grace just keeps coming. It just keeps pouring out. It is for you in every situation of your life. Wherever you're struggling, wherever the gaps are, God's saying, I want you to experience my grace. I'm here for you. It's accessible. It's there. Just reach out and receive it. God, I need your grace. God, I need, I need your grace. I can't do the thing that I'm trying to do. I can't make it on my own. I keep trying and I can't do it. God, your grace is sufficient for me. In, in, your, in, in my weakness, that's when you're strong. See, this is, this is, the, this is what confuses everybody about, about Jesus. Because Jesus is, is never saying, I need you to work hard enough to get into my good graces. We have this phrase, right? You gotta get back in my good graces. If you mess up, then you need to show up and you need to get back in my good graces. And you need, in order to do that, you need to work to get back into my good graces, right? We have this phrase, we know this. 
God says, no, 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 no. It's actually when you blow it, that's when my grace extends to you. It's when you need it, when you deserve it the least, that's when I extend it the most. Look at what it says. I'm gonna, I, wanna, I wanna wrap up this passage here. It says this. Out of his fullness, we have all received, and then it says this, grace in place of grace already given. Now, your passage, your translation might say grace upon grace. This is a passage that, that you know, all these commentaries are trying to figure out, what does it mean, grace in place of grace already given? What it means is, what it means is that there's a continuous flow of grace. It means that once the grace is full, more grace keeps coming, and it displaces the grace that, was, that you were experiencing. The grace just keeps flowing. So I had a conception when I was a kid, and some of you have this conception still, where you go, grace is kind of like, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like a, a, a real, like, uh, sensitive bird. Like, you know, it, it lands when everything is cool, and it like, it's there, but if you kind of stir around, oh, it's off. It's going to run off, right? So like, for me, when I, when I was a kid, I was like, if I'm doing everything right, then I'm experiencing God's grace. Because God's extending his grace to me because I'm doing everything right. But if I mess up, then God's grace is going to run off and is going to disappear. And then I've got to get it back. I've got to come back after it, right? And God is saying, no, 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 no. Because there's a passage in the Bible that says this. Where sin abounds, where there's a lot of it, grace does that much more abound. That means wherever there's sin, that's where grace pours in. Wherever there's a gap, that's where grace comes in the most. It doesn't come in when you're just killing it. It comes in when you need it and when you don't deserve it. I'm standing up, I'm hanging on the wall, upper limits, 20 feet up. I'm doing the Elvis Presley. My kids are down there. I'm like, don't want to fall. It's really embarrassing, right? And, and, and then I think, well, you know, I do have a, an auto belay on. I don't know if any of you guys are climbers. But when you're climbing a rock wall, you have a harness, and that harness is connected to an auto belay. The auto belay is, is a magnetic device that makes sure that if you fall, then it activates the auto belay, and it keeps you from falling and, and plunging to your death. All right? And, and so, but here's the thing. The auto belay isn't activated unless you fall. You see? So, what happens is, when you fall, when you need it the most, when you deserve it the least because you have failed on your, on your gap-reaching abilities, that's when it kicks in. God is saying to some of you today, look, you think that I'm far from you because you think you're far from me. You're not far from me. My grace is coming after you right now. I'm in pursuit of you. I'm leaning in right now. I'm pouring myself out to you right now. I'm coming after you when you need it the most and when you deserve it the least. I, the, Jesus says, I'm going to give these guys $150. They only work for an hour. I'm filling in the gap. I'm filling in the gap. I am pouring out my grace. And it's an infinite supply because I made it. And I made everything. And everything that is was made by me and through me. And I've got an infinite supply. And you have access. And I'm going to keep pouring it out upon you. And the more you need, the more it comes. I want to close with this. Worship team, you guys come on up. Um, I want to close with this. I was in, I was in my basement. 
I was in my basement. I really want you guys to get grace, man. I really want you to get grace. Grace will change your life. It will change your life. It will, it will change your heart. It will transform everything about your experience in the world. It will stop. It's counterintuitive because you, you think that like, oh, you know, if I believe in grace, then maybe I'll, I'll just jump off the wall for fun. I'll just sin for fun because grace will catch me every time. But it doesn't work like that. When you begin to actually experience grace, man, it makes you want to do so, so much better. Because you love God so much and you are so grateful for the grace that he has extended. Because you know you don't deserve it. I was in my basement. And um, I'm, I'm down in the basement and I'm working. And we have a wall in our basement. I'm on one side and there's a wall. And I hear something on the other side of the wall. And it sounds like, it sounds like water. It sounds like water's dripping down onto the floor of my basement. And I'm like, that doesn't sound good. And um, so I come around the wall and I come onto the other side of my basement and I look up and water, literally, like a lot of water, is pouring through the floorboards in my house onto the basement floor, like pouring, not in a little spot, not a drip. It's raining in my basement, it's raining. And I immediately thought, oh my gosh, man, a pipe broke. This is bad. This is an old house. This is going to be, you know, how am I going to stop the pipe? So I run upstairs to see where the water's coming. And right at the upstairs, at the top of our basement stairs, is a bathroom. The bathroom door is closed. And water is pouring out from under the bathroom floor. I mean, just spreading all around, spreading in the kitchen, into the boys' rooms, just spreading all around, right? thought, oh no, run to the bathroom door, throw open the door. My two-year-old... Eden is on her little stool at the sink, pulled the stopper, got the faucet on, and just smiling like, hey, dude, you know, scrunchy nose, water is just pouring out over the sink, water is replacing water, water that was in the sink is coming out of the sink, water, new water's going in, it's all going down the basement, right? This is what God's grace is. It just keeps pouring out and pouring out and displacing the grace that it's already placed. You had grace, here comes some more, here comes some more, here comes some more. God's saying, I want to pour it out all over you. Wherever you are dry, that's where I'm going to pour out my grace. Wherever you are hurting, that's where I'm going to pour out my grace. Where are you not experiencing God's joy and his confidence and the peace that passes all understanding? and the courage of the Lord. Where are you not experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? Because that's where God's grace wants to reach. That's where it wants to reach. He's saying, you know what? Just open the valve of faith and let me pour my grace all over you. For by grace we are saved through faith. Open up and say, God, I receive your grace. I'm taking the infinite supply of your continual grace and your continual mercy and your love and your favor that's leaning towards me, even though I don't deserve it, especially because I don't deserve it, and I'm experiencing your grace in my life. Because here's what happens. When we become graceful, when we become full of grace, see, God knows our gaps. God knows your gaps. And it's in fact, through your gaps, can you hear me all right? It's through your gaps that God's grace will pour out to those around you. Nobody thinks you're perfect. And if you think you're going to convince somebody to experience something better than they're experiencing through your perfection, 
That's a gap for you. That's not going to work. What happens is people see the grace of God through our brokenness. And that's what draws them to God. It's the, it's the overflow of grace that keeps replacing grace. Let God pour his grace into your brokenness, into your sin, into your guilt, into your shame. Because when we do that, it pours out from here. The, it, floods the, it floods out of the Tivoli Theater. It floods the Del Mar Loop. It floods University City. It floods our nation. It floods our community. The grace of God pours around the world when we are full of grace. Mimi, sing us a, a line from that song. You thought I was worth saving So you came and changed my life You thought I was worth keeping Yeah. So you cleaned me up inside You thought I was to die for So you sacrificed your life So I could be free So I could be whole so I could tell everyone I know You thought I was worth saving So you came You came and changed my life You, you thought, thought I was worth keeping So you cleaned me so up You cleaned me up inside. You thought I was you to thought die for So you sacrificed your life so I could be free, so I could be whole, so I could tell everyone I know. You see how it works? It, it fills you up and it pours out of you. Today, some of you are, you feel like you're far from God and you don't know that grace is raining down all around you. It's pouring out all around you. All you got to do is open it up and receive it application receive God's grace receive it receive it stop fighting stop fighting stop struggling and receive the grace that he has let it fill the gap that's what he came for let him do his job that's what he came for he came to fill the gap that you need the gap of grace that is being poured out upon you. Father, we come before you right now. We ask God that your people would receive your grace. Grace in their families and grace in their relationships. Grace on their jobs and grace in their purpose. Grace in their finances. Grace in their hopes. Grace in their dreams. Grace in their aspirations. God, that they would stop fighting and trying to fill it with sin or trying to fill it with self-righteousness, but they would experience, that we would experience your grace. You're almighty, you're all-powerful, you're all-consuming, you're flooding grace. Let us experience it all over our lives. That's what you came for. Let us, let us experience the joy of your salvation, the sacrifice that you made on our behalf. And may you receive all praise, all honor, and all glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.